Westlaw Pirates, and welcome to the show. We're here to share our thoughts on Northwestern athletics and college sports with thoughts and analysis from the visceral to the statistical. We run our tailgate with the red pirate flag flying high above as we give no quarter, especially the fourth. I'm Sam Walter. I'm John Lacombe. And I'm Eric Skoskowspo. Well, guys, uh, it is the first day of summer. Uh, summer solstice, as we uh, record, it will be hitting us here in just a couple of hours. Um, with summer here, that means fall is not too far away, and our summer previews are right around the corner. Super exciting. I've been knee-deep in Big Ten defenses this whole week, um, and it's it's been exciting to, to refresh, but it's also, I, I alluded to it in our last pod, there are just some crap defenses on particular teams that I never get tired of previewing year in and year out, and it has been great to return to those teams. But again, there are some teams that it's it was also great. It's been really interesting reminding myself just how good they were last year. So um, yeah, a lot of exciting stuff. I'm getting pumped and we can't wait to just dump all of this uh, in all of your laps. So before we we do that, um, you know, th- there's a little bit of a time, you know, tonight's the NBA draft. Um, will Vic Law be taken? Well, we shall see. Probably not. But, you know, they're saying it's not out of the realm of possibility. We'll keep our eye on that as we record. But we, we kind of thought we'd do something a little bit different tonight. Um, you know, kind of take a page from the, the talking heads of the world and, uh, you know, throw out some hot takes, throw out some burning questions, if you will. Uh, we've got 10 kind of of the biggest questions leading into the 2019 uh, college football season, primarily with Northwestern, but a little bit kind of uh, Big Ten, a little bit national uh, aspect. But uh, just kind of thought I'd, I'd throw these these questions out to you guys and uh, get, get your takes on them. We also opened it up to our, our Twitter followers. Um, we've got a few questions from the crowd. Well, we'll be sure to answer those as we go. But um, shall we just dive in on this, guys? Yeah, let's do it. I'm I'm excited. We got some good questions lined up here. All right. So, question number one, as as we just kind of jump right in for the Cats, what is the biggest question mark on offense going into this season? So, for me, um, and this might be surprising to hear. I don't know. Maybe not. Um, it's the wide receivers. Interesting. Okay. It's very interesting. I want to hear where you're going here. So it's mostly because I don't know who they will be. Um, <laughs> we lost number one, uh, our number one receiver, Flynn Nagel. We lost our number three receiver, uh, Cameron Green. That's based on yards. They were number one and number two based on uh, catches. Skoranek is the kind of leading returning receiver. Um, he's going to continue to catch, what, like one to three 30 to 40-yard balls per game. But... Where did the 125 receptions that Flynn and Green between them caught go to? I, they're not going to go to Skoranek. I, I don't think his usage rate is really going to go up uh, much from from the last couple of years. So we're looking at some combination of Kyrick McGowan, J.J. Jefferson, RCB, uh, Riley Lees, Berkeley Holman, uh, another newcomer. Like We've recruited a lot of athletes to the wide receiver position over the last couple seasons. We just don't know what it's going to be, and... When you couple that with a new QB, to me, there's just kind of question marks of more than anything, who is going to emerge and and what is that going to look like? That is pretty interesting because I think a lot of people would look at that list and say, despite the talent spread all in all these different places, Lee's fits the bill just because he's the most in the mold that Nagel was. And, you know, we saw him fill that role when Nagel got hurt. But with a brand new quarterback coming in, it's a little different. Like, it's not Hunter Johnson's got the chance to build his own rapport with his, you know, his own set of guys. And he may have already been like, look, I, you know, I have a rapport with McGowan that I don't have with Lees or something like that. Like, we don't really know. Um, and, it's and who was who he throwing to on the press, practice squad last year, right? Like, right. Some of those guys might might be elevated, and I just you know not knowing where where you know your guys' heads are at in terms of other position groups, I'll just say like the, some of the other ones that, that could jump off the page. I just feel more confident with who the names are going to be, or some of the coaching changes and, and some of the impacts that I expect to see. That is interesting. Um, I think the reason why I would not go with wide receiver is just because you threw out a lot of names. <laughs> I, like, I like all those guys. 
Um, you know, like there's like of all the names you mentioned, right? It's it's a question mark of, of who who's going to get that production. But I'm confident in the ability of all those guys. For me, the position group is easy because I could break down this whole team into the top level would be if a guy gets hurt, I'm not worried. The level below that would be if a guy gets hurt, I am worried. And then there's one position group that is I'm worried regardless of whether anybody's hurt. And that's <laughs> and that's offensive line. Um, and I think on offensive line, we have two guys who are consistent and good. And that's Rashawn Slater and Jared Thomas. I have 100% faith in them. And then three positions that are up for grabs. And that's a ton of positions. And it's a mix of guys, you know, Nick Urban, who's been kind of in and out um, in a reserve role for, you know, the past year at least. Um, and Gunnar Vogel, who through no fault of his own was thrown into the fire as a freshman um, and, you know, with pretty disastrous results. But that's to be expected to an extent. I mean, like, to hit the rewind button, we can all go back to Mike Kafka and ask ourselves what Mike Kafka looked like as a fifth-year senior versus as a redshirt oh, freshman. Boy. Ooh, night and day. Night and day. Yeah, so Vogel is, you know, he's a redshirt sophomore now. This is the point when he's supposed to be seeing the field for the first time. But I think, you know, Kurt Anderson, awesome. It's so great that, that he's here. He's putting a stamp on the program. We know about the recruits coming in. We know we've got two blue-chip starters. We know we've got some guys – you know, Urban being the leader, but I mean, you've got a guy like Sam Gurak waiting in the wings, or Jurak, um, Sam Stovall, and a guy like Vogel, who hopefully has gotten a chance to evolve. But if you look at the two deep here, you basically have the only representative expected to see the field of the junior and senior class is Jared Thomas. Um, so, or should I say the senior, uh, the senior class is Jared Thomas. So you've got this gap where you've got all these guys who should have been in the mix, but we had that developmental gap that we've talked about. And because of that, you've got a lot of guys that are just entering their junior year or just entering their sophomore year who are seeing a lot of the field. And, you know, some of those guys are definitely ready to go, um, but other guys, we already know we're thrown into the fire too early, or you know, even now you're still wishing that they maybe had another year of seasoning. But this is the group that we've got, and and there are pieces here, but there are more unknowns. I feel like on an individual basis than in any other position group. And and that's that's totally fair. And I guess f for my money, that doesn't feel different from last year, and it and it doesn't. Like, not that our offensive line hit rock bottom last year, but it's hard for me to envision this group performing worse. Like, I, I, I feel like they can, like, all, I mean, this is not true. I'm going to knock on wood right now for, for all y'all out there, but um, I feel like all they can do is go up. And I'm, I'm so fired up and bought into the Kurt Anderson experience that I feel like that's going to play a factor. And so, so that, like, th that was kind of my calculus also. You know, let's be let's be honest here. I, I kind of thought that you might pick the O line, John. <laughs> um, I the other big one, and it's Sammy. I don't know if you want to weigh in here. Well, yeah. I mean, what the the biggest question I have is behind Bowser. What's the running back rotation? Mm. You've. Well, I mean, we talked about this when we went ultra deep in our developmental preview, right? I mean, our big developmental deep dive that, like it does so many years. I mean, we still have John Moten. Right at I, that's as I'm as confident in John Moten as a backup running back as I am in just about anybody else. Then things get dicey, and that's the way it's been for us for the past really four or five years at that position. Um, there's top level development, and then you're really hoping that that guys don't get hurt. So yeah, I think Sam, you're beyond Moten. Your guess is as good as anybody else's, and I suppose that is a cause for worry. I'll just point out that none of us picked quarterback in Hunter Johnson. Um, I think we're going to get to that later on another, another question, but uh, I, it's telling that none of us picked that. Yeah, well, for, for sure. I think now, uh, granted, we're it, it's true though that 
part of it part of that has to do with just how highly regarded he was at Clemson. I think in addition to the recruiting rankings, in addition to all the talk within Northwestern, in addition to everything else, Clemson people talk about him like they were sad to see him go and thought he was going to be great if he ever got the shot. And that that's always made me feel better. Well, so I, I will actually preface this. The biggest question mark would be, if Hunter Johnson doesn't start, what's up with that? Uh, that yeah, that's, that's it's not it's not happening, y'all. Yeah, that's that's not happening. Um, the interesting thing to me is is in that regard um, is is the backup. If 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 Hunter Johnson, if it's not Hunter Johnson for any reason, and I'm so knocking wood furiously right now, like is TJ Green really the backup? Um, I don't know. I. I wouldn't be com- I wouldn't be completely comfortable with that based on what we've seen, but no other quarterback, and we have several on the roster, seems to have been able to rest that backup job away. So, yeah, but with 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 Hunter as the number one, you know, I feel like we're good, and maybe we were spoiled by Clayton Thorson, you know, just how long he stayed on the field in his career. But I guess that's our mentality. All right, let's move on to question number two. Um, much the same vein. What's the biggest question mark on defense? For me, it's corner. Um, you know, post we're we're entering the post Monte Hardage era. We've been through this before. Uh, when uh, we lost Harris, we're all super excited for what uh, Greg Newsom has to offer. He was a revelation when he hit the field as a true freshman in the first game last year. Obviously, got hurt, but um, he was spectacular when he played. To a lesser degree, I think we we also see some signs in Cameron Ruiz, um, Cameron Ruiz, who you know has struggled a little bit early on uh, as as a very raw true freshman, but you know towards towards the end of the year was starting to to show some signs. But beyond them, I mean, like depth is definitely a concern, and I just I think there's just some question marks about you know how many guys we're going to see in the rotation. Trey Williams is back. Uh, I th- I think he's probably listed as the as the starter opposite um, either Newsom or, or Ruiz uh, to begin the year or, or to begin the, the, the fall camp. But um, there's just there's just a lot of question marks there to me in terms of who we are going to start, who's going to get the most playing time, and how that unit is going to look. I totally agree. I mean, it, it's, it's corner, and I think part of it, and I think we'll talk about this a little bit later, Scott, because I think some of the questions that – Twitter followers have submitted to us dovetail a little bit with this, but um, while I don't love Trey Williams, I do believe that as a senior, he'll probably be a starter to start the season if he's healthy. And a mixture of Newsom, Williams, and Ruiz, I'm good with that. I'm good with those corners. If that's the weak link of our defense, I'm good with that. You get below those three guys and it starts to drop off really quickly. And that's that's to me is is the worrisome thing. Um, this is this is the unit that that and we we saw it happen last year. I mean, it's like we we need this unit to stay together, and that's that's why it's the most biggest question mark. Yeah, I mean, I I would I would have to say like the the corners are definitely the the big question. I'm also like not concerned, but I'm interested to see what the, the interior defensive line looks like. I mean, we're we're really happy about our edge rushers. I I want to know more about like the depth on the interior defensive line. That that's not it's not a like a concerning question for me, but it is a question kind of in the back of my head. Yeah, that's yeah. fair, especially after losing Jordan Thompson, right? Exactly. That that, that that's where I was going, and like you know. Is is Sam? Are the Miller boys interior guys? Or are they? You know, are they going to be coming in from the outside? I mean, we, I, I would know. Gaz is an predict, outside guy. I would predict that we're going to see. We thought we'd see it last year, and then we didn't. I think in part because um, the the interior defensive tackles were so good. But um, I think I think you're going to see more of that cheetah package where you've got a Gaz Town lining up inside because being able to get. Gaz, Ernest Brown, both Millers, um, Trent Goins, uh, all on the like four of those five guys all on the field at the same time. You're going to have to mix and match a little bit. I just we have we are so loaded at D line. 
I yeah, I I like our top four defensive tackles are looking like probably Alex Miller, Trevor Kent, Jake Saunders, and Joe Spivak. If that's the top four, I'm I'm good. I'm, <laughs> <laughs> I'm, a, I'm just excited. I just the the wealth of this position group is is uh, is I you know again I want to knock wood, but this this is a a deep squad to say the least. Well, and I think on passing downs the D line is going to be quite ferocious. Thompson, right, Thompson was a, just incredible against the run last year and eating space. And we like, we have not often had a player that, that, that can command the type of attention that, that you had to pay to him on the defensive line. And like, I think to your point, Sam, like, can though I'm, I'm good with that, with that lineup as well, John, can they match what we got from Jordan Thompson last year? I'm not sure. Oh, for sure. And again, and Thompson was was awesome and one of the best and a guy who's going to be trying to stick in the NFL. Like, you're absolutely right. All right, let's move on to question number three. Um, and, and this kind of, the next two kind of talk about our depth. Uh, question number three, what position can we least afford to lose the starter for the season? Uh, and we're going to leave quarterback out of this because obviously, you know, the quarterback is the most important position on the field. You lose your starting quarterback for the season. That's going to impact you. But besides quarterback, and you know, maybe maybe you guys had a different position or a different you know, someone in mind besides quarterback. But um, where can we least afford to lose a guy for the year? I'll I'll bring one up because we haven't mentioned it at all. But uh, partly because this this seems like there's a chance it may actually come to fruition. Um, I'm going to go with super back. I, I had that written down too. Uh, yeah, and and part of it is I've seen some people grousing in a couple of different places t- to my annoyance at that don't seem to understand how good Trey Pugh is or how good he is when healthy. He's really good, and the and people seem to think because he caught three balls last year, as if like Cam Green wasn't awesome. And didn't stay healthy the whole year, and it's like we we don't play like three superbacks. Like Cam Green filled that role, was the guy, and filled that role in the few moments Trey Pugh had to fill it. It's his time; he's ready to step up. But we know he's been banged up in the spring, and when you're banged up enough that someone like Trent Gones is being brought over into the position group. To me, that tells me that's, that something is wrong. And given that we know how clandestine Fitz is when it comes to injuries, I'm legitimately nervous about Trey Pugh's health. And if he is healthy, um, you know, with all due respect to Charlie Mangieri, he's kind of a different kind of player. Gones is more similar to the makeup of Trey Pugh, but Gones doesn't have the experience with the position. So it's less about the overall depth in the in the unit to me as just... If Trey Pugh gets hurt, I don't think the next guy up is Trey Pugh caliber. Yeah, I, I'm I'm right there with you, John. I I had corner down as well. We we just talked about it a minute ago. Um, what we did we did get a question on on Twitter uh, around can Roger Campbell um, make make an impact this year? You know, is, will we see him as as part of the mix? And, and frankly, can he live up to to his four star recruiting billing and you know, this is a guy who's been beset by injuries a lot. He was, I thought, really fantastic um, last year. real moments in the Iowa game. I mean, we, we, we put him in late in a game with, you know, zero game experience, and he did, he did quite well um, and demonstrated why he's, he's such a, a well-regarded athlete, et cetera. Um, you know, can he stay healthy and be part of the mix this year? That that that, that is a big question mark. That um, I, we would all love to see it. We've been we've been excited about seeing him hit the field since since he was a recruit. So, but to your point earlier, John, after after that top three of uh, Newsom, Williams, and Ruiz, th- there's a lot there's a lot of questions at, at corner. So um, it's it's. That 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 gives me that gives me heartburn. Um, thanks to uh, to Terry Bevington for for sending that question in. Um, I'd add, I'd add too with that position group too. Um, the two best are Newsom and Ruiz, and they may not be your two starters at the start of the season. But I can't ever remember a time 
we had the ability to start two ultra-athletic corners who were this young. And in that sense, I'm kind of white-knuckling that because it's like, lest we get addicted to this tandem of guys and then one of them gets hurt, that's the same kind of thing that's got me nervous. You know, it's like, it's like those guys are just sick. They're young and they were big recruits and they're awesome athletes. And we've seen Newsom's athleticism at the start of the season. We saw Ruiz block that punt where he was coming in like a bat out of hell. Like they're awesome athletes. And um, if those two guys develop into this sick tandem, I'm going to be like, oh, dear God, don't let one of those guys get hurt. Harris Van Hoos was the other was the other one that comes to mind, right, where we right. felt good yeah. on both, both mm-hmm. sides of the field. Absolutely. All right, so uh, question number four on, on the flip side. Uh, what position are we kind of the most confident if a starter goes down? Like, <sighs> where, 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 are we good, where do we feel like we're good on depth? I mean, knock on, like, all the wood in the world. but Sammy, I, again, I don't want to go against what you said earlier. I am very curious to see what happens at defensive tackle. We have, like, 12 guys that can play defensive line at a high level. And that's to me, I'm like, I, there are guys who won't see the field this year who are awesome defensive line recruits. So that to me is the starting place. Yeah. D D line safety is another one where I feel like we're several players deep uh, and, and excellent. We already talked about all the wide receiver names. We don't know who's going to merge, but we we've got a deep stable there. Um, yeah, I like I I, I kind of wrote down D line at the same time. Like losing a starter in any position group worries me. I sure, know. no, I know. absolutely, I know. and like I, I I recognize like this is just a massive jinx of a question. So I I didn't want to spend a whole lot of time on it, but you know I had to give the flip side. It's like you know where where do we basically the que- the question is where do we feel most deep and where do we feel least deep. As far as position group, it's I'll throw out linebacker as as another one that's weird because we have insane depth here. And on one hand, it's like a guy like Cullen Jones was a mega recruit who and Pete McIntyre. I mean, these are guys. McIntyre is a guy who's going to start for multiple years probably at this position. And Cullen Jones is a monster recruit. He looks like a monster. Like we can't wait to see him play. It's just. Uh, Gallagher and Fisher. Fisher is overshadowing how unbelievable Gallagher was last year. I mean, these guys had well over 200 tackles combined last year. And um, were, you know, a lot of people have us as one of the 10 best linebacker cores in the country pinned on those two guys. So in that sense, if the injury is one of those two guys, then that is where my nerves would come in. But at the same time, it's a really well-coached unit. And, uh, and it's a, it's a unit that, you know, at least based on recruiting has real depth. Hey, while we're here, this is a little bit of a, of a pivot away from our questions, but we did get another, another uh, question on Twitter from Jim Hoff about Patty Fisher specifically. And, uh, will he live up to the hype? Um, we've seen players in the past come into the season with, you know, preseason all American accolades or, you know, mock draft accolades from the year before. Uh, Anthony Walker is obviously a big one. Um, there's been some D linemen over the years. There's been, you know, even Thorson coming into this past season had a bit more hype than, than maybe came to fruition by, by year end. Like, do you guys have any concerns that, that Fisher is, is overrated or is, or is likely to underperform this year? No, no, no. (laughs) me either. Not at all. (laughs) Not, I mean, not, not in the least, but here, you know, here's, let me answer this question in an interesting way. I think, again, I don't claim to have this deep understanding of the national landscape over 20 years when it comes to linebackers or middle linebackers. But I think that we can look in the Big Ten in particular and look at all the years we've been doing our summer previews and everything. And when a guy emerges as a blue chip linebacker in the Big Ten, if he doesn't get hurt, he stays that way all the way through college. I mean, you could look at 
to right now, just look at Joe Batchy at Michigan State as an example. I mean, he and, and Patty are kind of 1 and 1A right now when you look at middle linebackers in the conference. And those guys are just clearly locked into a level of performance that they are just repeating, you know, year in and year out and appear to. And, yeah, Walker would be another guy you could pull out. But look at Iowa, right? I mean, they haven't found that guy since that unbelievable trio of, I think, what, Ben Neiman and the two other guys that I'm forgetting right now. Um, oh, Josie Jewell. Um, of those guys for, for, like, three years in a row and change – each cranked out like a hundred tackles a year. And it's just like, once they were that guy, they just stayed at that level. And I think you see that kind of across the conference. I think this is, you know, of course, you know, everyone knows linebacker, you, et cetera, but it seems like it's a position, at least in this conference where when guys figure it out, barring injury, they stay at that level until they move on to the next level. Well, and I'll add, like, the thing to me about Fisher that makes him maybe a little bit different is his his lateral mobility for an inside linebacker is quite good. Um, he doesn't attack the passer uh, like, like some linebackers, but he's not a liability in coverage either. I think we saw Utah try to target him a bit in the bowl game, if I'm remembering correctly, um, and they were able to, to work things out, and, and, uh, and he was able to respond, but the number of plays he makes at the sideline. Um, this was reminiscent of Walker as well, but I, you know, for whatever reason, Fisher just, you know, he, he tops the charts in terms of um, the, the run stopping metrics that pro football focus puts out. And you just, you haven't seen him in a compromised position really in, in, in a game yet. And that's, um, that's really uh, encouraging. Defense doesn't have an happen in a vacuum either. And, the support around him is a major asset. I mean, against the run, yes, you're losing Jordan Thompson, but this is still a great run-built defensive line. Um, he's got Gallagher next to him, and he's got you know Travis Willock, among many other guys around him, um, guys that are just going to come up and lay the lumber and, and make his job easier. All right, moving on to question number five, and, and this is going to be interesting. <laughs> So, knowing what we know about the Northwestern offense historically, and you know the way Mick McCall runs an offense, the, the, the tendency to uh, McCall the bed, if you will, to quote, sure, uh, our if, friend, if you will, our friend Tom McGrath. So, what does a wildly successful season from Hunter Johnson look like? Like at the end of the season, were we to go back and say, "My God, Hunter Johnson was everything we were wanting and more." What what does that look like? My God, that's Clayton Thorson's music. <laughs> uh, so to me, I mean, again, it's all meaningful stuff, but I think, you know, his his bread in a lot of ways to start is going to be buttered in that stretch through, you know, mid-September to mid-October where you've got, you know, Michigan State, Wisconsin, Nebraska, Ohio State. That to me is a really big stretch because that is for big games against four teams that can be thrown on. And those are situations where, you know, we're going to be really in it in those games and we're really going to have to play well to win. And we're going to need the passing game to be a big part of that. And those yards will be there for us. If we take them, that's the big stretch. I mean, to the McCalling the bed perspective, there are other games in this season uh, like the game that comes right before the start of the stretch I just mentioned, where you're going to think Hunter Johnson is an awful quarterback because he's only given like two plays that he's allowed to run. Um, and one of them is a handoff right up the middle that puts him in third and long um, on half of the series in the game. And you're going to be like, oh my gosh, like this guy is just handcuffed. So given that, the flip side is there will be times when he's really given the chance to run the full playbook to the best of his abilities. And, um, and I think that stretch is one of the stretches where we're really going to get a chance to see it. Yeah. I think to me, the, the fear that I think everybody is harboring is the 2015 Clayton Thorson experience where he was a true freshman and he was not allowed to do much. Um, I don't think that will be the case in, in, in 2019. And, and the, re, the rationale is that Hunter Johnson is not a freshman. 
he's not a true freshman. He's not a redshirt freshman. This guy has played live college football at the highest level. Um, he has been around uh, the best team. Um, I hate to say it, but the best team in college football. Uh, and then he has um, been in this Northwestern system for over, over a year. And I just like, I am confident the coaching staff will view him as a veteran upperclassman leader in this locker room and on the field. Um, and I, like, I don't think they will treat him like they treated Thorson Thorson's freshman year when he first became the starter. Now, that being said, you know, John, to your point, there's going to be weird games. Um, and for me, a wildly successful Hunter Johnson season is if he can essentially match what Thorson did on average the last three years from a yardage perspective of, of 3000 yards. Um, and if he can, if he can demonstrate himself to be a better decision maker and, and, and decrease the, or, or flip the, the interception, to t- the TD to pick ratio, um, that was pretty close to even the last two years for Thorson. But, uh, yeah, to me, to me, that's the formula. It's pretty simple. If he can, if he can match or beat Thorson's numbers, that's pretty damn good for for his first year starting. All right, I'm going to throw a question at you that uh, I, I didn't cue you up for. Um, and I, I'm interested to see kind of off the top of your head. Uh, this is, you know, question number 5B, uh, except it's not 5B. What newcomer, what true freshman uh, under the radar would you expect to be talking about at the end of the year? Can I say Kurt Anderson? <laughs> sure. That's my answer. I just I'm 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 so bullish on the attitude that he's bringing to the offensive line. I'm even if it's a small step forward. I'm just I'm I I feel like they can take a small step forward, and maybe maybe I am way overselling the ability of Northwestern to replace JB Butler and Tommy Doles. Um, I I don't know. I just it feels like that was a, a coaching change that was like five years in the making. And, and we finally got there and I just, I'm like shot out of a can and excited about it. This, but, it's, but, but I'm probably being unfair to some awesome freshman who's going to hit the field and be phenomenal. I was, was going to say, it's a hard question, Sammy, because last year's recruiting class was awesome and, <laughs> and not only awesome, but huge. Um, if I'm going down the list and again, it all depends on who, who's going to get there, their, um, uh, red shirt torched, right? And who's not, you know, we're going to kick the tires on a couple of guys. I could go a lot of different ways, but how about Genson Hooper price? That's exactly where I was going. Um, you're talking a guy who's going to roll on campus at like six, five two fifteen, Um, and aside from Skoranek, we don't start another guy that massive in that receiver core. And I think especially early on, to, you know, discuss his point about, you know, targets and, and where's Hunter Johnson going to be looking, practice squad, et cetera. Now, Pooper Price is a true freshman, but, you know, Johnson's to him, roughly speaking, you know, Johnson's, he'll be as interested in him as anybody else. And I think given that we know he gets those three games, right, at least um, to kick the tires on, that's that's the guy. There's a lot of guys I could go with here, but you're talking about a guy who's going to be standing out on the sideline from day one. So I'll go with him. Let, let's remember that John's answer to this question last year was Greg Newsom. Yeah. True. <laughs> now, not spot effing on. No, Greg Newsom needed to play. And we all knew that, that we all knew that that was going to be coming. Um, and um, so, you know, and in that vein, you know, I'm curious about a guy like Zach Franks, for example, who is our, you know, our massive offensive line recruit, but I want him to get like two years of seasoning at least before he gets on the field. Hooper do you, do you Price, mean two, two years of training room? Yes, exactly. Feed up. <laughs> um, and, and, and there are so many other names we could go and I don't want to get pulled down that rabbit hole, but Hooper Price is going to show up and look like a massive uh, ball magnet day one. And that's, that's the guy. All right, we'll uh, zoom out a little bit, uh, kind of look at some uh, conference-wide questions. And we'll, we'll start with, you know, what kind of quote-unquote bottom-tier conference team would you be least surprised to see I, ha- to have a breakout season? I need to go first here. Um, <laughs> so 
there so you know when you look through i think you know you look at teams that you know year in and year out or you know play lousy football low wins and losses um bad recruiting area aren't close to a lot of teams um and i think there's a team that that you know i, I you know I, we'd have to really reach back to think of the last time that they really had a quality season um but they've got a quarterback you know now who can play a little bit um and you know, this just might be the year. I mean, they're 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 talent deficient. They've they've got some real problems, but this just might be the year that I think Nebraska maybe has a winning season. <laughs> I knew where you were going, like I, the fifth word out of your mouth. Look, I, it's the little engine that could, and you know, you want to root for them to to, to turn that corner finally and no, you put don't. something together. No, 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 I reject that wholeheartedly. <laughs> I, I, oh I, you know, man. I, hey, you know, I don't know if 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 Adrian Martinez is Heisman level, they just might have it in in them to to put a winning season together. <laughs> oh wow! Oh, that was that was great. Um, I did not I did not write that question with the amount of shade that actually came out. I, I did not have that under consideration, but I love it. It's fantastic. Thank you. So my answer. Um, you guys will probably quibble with because, like, they're probably not a bottom tier team, but it's Purdue. Mm. Uh, they they kind of broke out last year. They had the big win over Ohio State. It's you know had a good record, but then just cratered um, down the stretch uh, of the season. Barely made it to a bowl game. Blew out Arizona surprisingly. Um, or I mean, no, it wasn't. I guess it wasn't a blowout. It was a. It was a. It was, it was tight, but it was it was a fun game. Yeah, they scored a, scored a million points on Arizona. Um, but point being, like they you know they kind of broke out. They lost David Blau, and I think everyone is going to maybe discount them a little bit because of that. Um, he really outplayed Sindelar last year, Elijah Sindelar, the other QB who was named starter at the beginning of the season. But Sindelar was hurt, um, and I th- like they they've recruited so well. They have Rondell Moore. Their schedule is pretty favorable in terms, especially in terms of their uh, eastern eastern side crossovers. So I like. I like Purdue as an op- as an option to like like if we're talking about a team that might contend for the West, surprisingly, um, that's that's the one because I don't think I don't think Minnesota, Illinois, or uh, whoever else is down there, Indiana, Rutgers, Maryland, none of those teams have a, have a flipping chance. That's I, it's interesting. It's that that was kind of I mean you know I'll never shy away from a Nebraska joke, um, but. The part of the reason I went in that direction is I do think it's with that lower tier, it's slim pickings trying to pick a team like that yeah. out. Purdue's as good as anybody. Um, they had a worrisome defensive regression last year, even by their standards. Um, and so that's that's certainly worrisome for them, but they're as good of a choice as anybody from that lower group, I think. All right, and on the flip side, I have a, I have a funny feeling. I know where both of you guys are going to go with this, but uh, I just – what top tier Big Ten team would you be least surprised to see fall off? So this is wait, interesting because I'll because I'll be really wait. Curious hold on, to, yeah, Sammy. Do you think we pick the same team, or do you think we have different ones? I I have a funny feeling you're both going to pick the same one, but I'm, I'm interested to see where you go. I I don't think we're going to pick the same one. If we do, I'll be fascinated. Okay, uh, uh, but who, I who's, who's yours, I, John? Uh, mine is Wisconsin, um, and and it, so the question is. Do we count Wisconsin in that top tier or not? I think a lot of people are looking at, you know, you look at the big dogs um, and you don't put Wisconsin in that group. Um, I just know, and yes, I know Wisconsin's got this big time quarterback coming in. um, And I know we're going to get into all this in way more detail when we talk about Wisconsin. Um, But this is a team that had real issues last year and a team that for them, had bigger issues on the defensive side of the ball than they've had since we started doing this pod and don't project to get better. And given that they had real trouble on offense last year, especially when Hornibrook was out, uh, they seem to be pinning a lot on quarterback that they haven't really kicked the tires on. So that's that would be my pick. Uh, now, I'm sure that they, they have a lot of things, and, and I know there are other teams that have problems, but... If if we're lumping Wisconsin in that top group, which I feel like they've earned the right to be, sure, that's, sure, that's, absolutely, that's, that's where I would go. I now, did there, not. 
Oh, go ahead, John. No, go ahead. I want to hear where Scuzz is going to go. So I did not pick pick Wisconsin. I have picked the Penn State Nittany Lions. That's that's where I thought you'd go. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Um, I so uh, I I won't say famously, but famously amongst the three of us, what was it like th- three or four years ago? I called for for Penn State to be good and Michigan State to suck, and then like somehow miraculously nailed that prediction. Um, I I think the the bill comes due for Penn State this year. You know, I I think losing uh, Trace McSorley at QB, I think, is going to be a massive departure that that people have maybe forgotten about just because he you know, like he didn't get a lot of hype in the NFL draft. He didn't go very high at all. Um, they also lost Miles Sanders to the draft. They've had a slew of transfers. They've lost a bunch of top end recruits over the last month. Like. The, the, let's be clear. The bottom is not dropping out from a talent perspective, but I just I have thought from the get go that their resurgence, um, those two years in the Big Ten, was completely the, the the doing of Joe Moorhead from an offensive scheme perspective. Yes, they've recruited really well. James Franklin is a great uh, program builder and talker, but he sucks on game day. And I I just I I think it's time, and I'm excited. Um, they also they have to play Purdue and then at Minnesota and at Iowa. That's that's a not a not a nice crossover setup. So we'll see. But um, yeah, that's my that's my pick to drop off. The reason I didn't go with Penn State is, and everything you're saying is absolutely true. Um, and I get Sammy why you your mind was there too. Penn State could have as high as the second best defense in the Big Ten this year, and that is the difference. Um, but with, with all with all of the uncertainty and all of the transfers, I mean, like it seems like the the rats are leaving the ship. It does, yeah. and it does, and yeah. they again, and they're offensively challenged. There's smoke around the program. It's just what they have returning on defense this year, relative to how well they played last year, is a better mix than anyone other than really Michigan State can claim in the conference. Um, they're um, and this was a defense that was very good last year and returns a lot of the key pieces. Um, and really, I mean, they're, I mean, when you look at their competition, they for sure are in a better place defensively than everyone other than Michigan State in the conference. That doesn't mean in their side of the conference. Um, that doesn't mean they have the most talent. It means that one of the teams that has more talent than them is return is returning almost zero starters, and the other team that has more talent than them uh, is asleep all game. So that pretty much leaves Penn State relative to the to the top of the heap there. So I think yes, they're they could still implode, but I see that's why I said like I go with Wisconsin because Wisconsin I think is is has a lot of the same challenges and and has bigger issues on the defensive side of the ball. But it'll happen. I, I'm not saying I'll be at the head of the line rooting for that to happen, if it does happen. <laughs> Have it be Penn State. All right, question number eight. Uh, what non-conference game uh, throughout the conference do you think is going to give the most fodder for the talking heads to make stupid generalizations about the, quote, state of the conference? So, so the way you phrased this um, made me think about games that that a big 10 team could lose i so i think we're thinking the exact same way scott and i want to see where you're going here um it's nebraska at colorado oh. <laughs> it's in week two um and if nebraska loses at colorado this this deification of scott frost over the last three years um like people will have to start to question it right or, or will they just say, which I think is more likely, like, oh, man, the Big Ten is garbage? So that that's an interesting one because I think when LaVisca Chenault literally is not tackled in that game, <laughs> I, I can just picture Stephen A. Smith the next time. That brother wasn't tackled one time. Not one time. Five touchdowns. You got to – not three touchdowns, four touchdowns, five touchdowns in one game. It's it's could easily be that kind of day. Um, the my answer to this question, and I don't want to go down Jinx Town, 
Um, and again, this is something we're going to get into a lot more in depth. Question number seven was what top tier Big Ten team would you be least surprised to see fall off? That's a weird question because it's not exactly the same as what top tier team on our schedule would you be most likely to see fall off? And that answer is a different answer. And it's the same answer as the non-conference result I'm thinking of that would really get the talking heads going. And that's where I'm furiously knocking wood right now. Because I think we could go out to Stanford and put a hurtin' on the Cardinal. And that would really get tongues wagging. Um, and in a positive way. But again, I think we're going to be talking a lot more about all of that down the road. So I don't want to step on it too much. But to me, there's a big potential. And also, that that game is, is a week one game. It comes right off the top. And... and Again, we're going to talk a lot more about that, but I see potential for that game to fill that role. Yeah, I had I had a couple other like Big Ten win wins the game, um, and and it gets people talking, and and that one was on my list. So I had I had week one uh, Northwestern Stanford. I had week two Vanderbilt at Purdue, which is not a great not a great one. It's you know it's SEC, but Vandy, et cetera, et cetera. But then in week three, Purdue plays TCU. If they knock off both Vandy and TCU in back to back weeks and we've knocked off Stanford, all of a sudden you've got a conversation about the West, you know, kind of rising up and, and maybe challenging the East, Urban Meyer's gone, et cetera. The teams in the, And the Big Twelve. <laughs> yeah, the the teams in the East don't play anybody. It's crazy. Well, I I'm 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 gonna stop you right there, because week two this is this is sneaky. Oh, I, I've I've I have this written down and like in a okay. in a, our, in our, a very Army wishful thinking way. Yes, that is. I mean, it's funny because this is the best Army team in like thirty years, <laughs> but they also played the most ridiculous schedule ever. You are talking about though. Um, basically. In week, what did you say? Is it's week, it's week two. two. Week it's two. Week two. You're, which you're you know, talking about for a massive portion of Michigan's defense, that will be their second game starting in college football. Uh, so ooh, factor that in for whatever. Factor that in for whatever it's worth. And like for whatever reason, you always see Michigan early in the season just struggling. I mean, especially under Harbaugh, like they don't come out of the gate firing on all cylinders. And I think with this Army team this year. As good as they were last year, I mean, they could be even better this year. Like, that would not surprise... Like, if Michigan goes down at home to Army, talking heads are going to talk about that for a long time. Oh, yeah, it'd be... I mean, it would be... It would not be an upset on the level of App State beating number 5 Michigan. No. But people would talk about it as if it were that all over again. In part, just be... Like, Army rising up to, to, to take that kind of victory is... would. I mean that's like the historic annals of college football you're talking about here. Um to do it in the big house against a Michigan squad that everyone is going to be talking about as as a potential national championship contender especially with Urban Meyer finally out of the way uh, of Jim Harbaugh. I like there's there's a lot of potential for that one. Um I don't know, I guess I like you guys might be talking me into that. I wrote it down a little bit as a joke like like Michigan, Purdue, or Michigan, Penn State, Ohio State, Wisconsin don't really play anybody. Um, but maybe like Army could beat Michigan. But um, you guys, you guys, you guys are making a good, a good, a good sell job here. That that there's some some um, some potential there. So what what's interesting is when when I wrote this when I put this question together, I had not gone through the non conference schedule. Like the Big Ten does not have any of those kind of big marquee early season matchup it's weak it's real weak it it, it's it's very odd like in the past years like we've always seen kind of like a big big 10 sec i mean ohio state oklahoma the past couple years i mean the like the big 10 has been in the conversation with some of these big early season non-conference games but they're not this year ohio state i think plays uh miami of ohio cincinnati and is it is it central michigan it's it's crazy um Penn State is playing Pitt, Idaho, and and somebody horrible. No, they're they're playing Florida Atlantic. Ohio State is oh Florida Atlantic, Miami, Ohio, Cincinnati, and Florida Atlantic. Yeah. The only other one that's that's tricky out there. Wisconsin travels to uh, USF in Week One. 
And I mean, USF has, has certainly had their ups and downs over the last couple of years. Um, we all think highly of Charlie strong. He's clearly not, not quite what he was when he was back at Louisville um, or, or his Florida days. But like to your point, John of Wisconsin is, is on the downswing a little bit this season, breaking in a new QB in a, in a, probably a pretty tough place to play. I mean, they're not used to that kind of weather, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Like, That'd be a pretty crappy way for them to start the season for sure. Yeah. All right, we're gonna we're gonna zoom out a little bit more, um, kind of pull away from the conference and just kind of look, kind of high scale national level. Um, besides Bama and Clemson, who's the next most likely team to win the national championship? I so this one is a weird one because. If it's if it's next most likely, I mean, like the easy, the low hanging fruit here is like Georgia or or Oklahoma. Yeah, I have I have a, I have Georgia in a landslide here. Yeah, so it's like because I don't want to go in that direction, um, and and you know, I like I'll give ample platform to Scuzz to talk about that. I'll go with a team directly related, um, and I know Sam, you talked about leaving the conference. But if you're looking for a quote-unquote dark horse, although not really a dark horse, I'll say Ohio State. Um, and part of that is uh, Justin Fields. But part of that is um, I think it's easy to forget just how crappy Ohio State's defense was last year and that that almost certainly dovetailed with the overall mess that was going on in the program. And that I think the defense did not have the stability of, say, a quarterback to, to, to make things right the way the offense did. And I think there's a chance now that with that Urban Meyer mess behind them, this the defense is almost certainly... Like, it's just one of those things. Ohio State was a really good team last year with a wet garbage defense loaded with five-star guys. And it's like, if those guys remember how to play football... Um, well, that team, they, you know. they fired all the defensive coaches, right? So it's like and they brought a, in they, they brought in Michigan, Michigan staff. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so it's like that is a sleeping giant on one side of the ball, and you know, so it's like if Fields is awesome and the defense is suddenly one of the best defenses in the conference again, that's your recipe right there. Um, so that, I'll say that only just because. I won't grab the the Georgia fruit, and I'll I'll leave that for Scuzz. I mean, I don't have much to say other than they've got easily the most talent. Um, they've got uh, their QBs coming back. They've been like two stupid plays away from winning the whole thing, <laughs> like like or be, being sure. in the mix last year and then winning the whole thing two years ago. Um, I, you know, similar to you, John. Like, I don't I don't want that to be true. Um, I would love for, for Georgia and Alabama to both get upset and, and not make it. Um, I'll throw out two other teams. You, you mentioned Oklahoma. Obviously, they have Jalen Hurts, who's transferred over from Alabama, starting at QB. They've got uh, Lincoln Riley doing crazy, crazy things with the offense. I'm not, I'm not sure about that fit of those two guys together. Um, but the Big 12 is, is crap outside of uh, Norman. Um, I don't think Texas is back. I, th- I think they're good, but I don't think they're back. I, I think it's very plausible for Oklahoma to go undefeated. The other team that I think has got a shot at going 13-0, and a real shot at going 13-0, and I, I don't know that they can stand up with the big boys yet, but that's Oregon. Um, they've, got a leg- really? they've got a legit okay. QB. Um, right. They've got an awesome coach in uh, Mario Cristobal. And um, and not much competition. And not like, much competition. Yeah, like and, they can look at me like Washington. If we can get by them, we can do this. And they have been recruit. So their recruiting approach um, changed a little bit. And I like this is why I don't know that they're there yet. But this is not Chip Kelly's Oregon that was like super duper fast and light and sped by you like they are recruiting behemoths on their offensive line and on their defensive line. Like they're, they're watch out for Oregon. It might be interesting because if if, like, like the, the, the QB is going to change over maybe before the rest of the team is there yet. But um, that team is going to be back in the mix in the next two or three years. 
I thought you were going to say they're not Chip Kelly's Oregon, but they're not Chip Kelly's UCLA either. <laughs> <laughs> More like Chip Kelly's uh, Eagles. I don't know. Um, yeah. <sighs> All right. Let's move on to question number 10 here. And, you know, this, this is a fun one I, I kind of came up with. Uh, what national storyline are you going to get sick of the fastest? You you go ahead, John. I, I mean, I, I mean, since since we're all just waiting for where we know Scuzz is gonna go, because <laughs> Scuzz is Scuzz is never really goes away. Um, I don't know. There are probably a bunch of ways I could go. Maybe just Lincoln Riley, Jalen Hurts, Lincoln Riley, Jalen Hurts. That I feel like we're just gonna be hearing that so so much, um, and followed. In a close second by, is Lincoln Riley going to the NFL this year? Yes or no? <laughs> and all the questions he's going to get asked about that and all the times he's going to no comment it. Um, what what, you know what I mean? people need to know is that that's like your greatest pet peeve is college coaches going to the NFL. Yes, that's true too. And And again, it's like he's got the pedigree in terms of like sending quarterbacks to the next level. But I mean – he couldn't have created a better situation for himself. And right. That that's the other side. So aside from the fact that it'll get beaten to death, just that everyone's going to be right. Just that a guy who set himself up that well, um, and could just walk over to Los Angeles right now and take the USC job is instead probably going to take some middling NFL job. If he goes anywhere at all, I mean, True. Hey, I, hey. To, to Bob Stoops' credit, Stoops never did either up until, you know, I mean... Up until the XFL he was, came he was, wait, he was waiting for those XFL jobs to come online, so <laughs> maybe that's where Lincoln will go. Closet wrestling fan. All right, Scuzz. Uh, I know we've all been waiting for this. <laughs> <laughs> and I think we all know the answer, too. And surprise us, if, if not. But uh, what national storyline are you going to get sick of the fastest? What do you mean going to get sick of <laughs> it's Dabo it's already Dabo it's always Dabo just go away Dabo and I can't I can't let us end the podcast on that note so I gotta pull I gotta go back to Twitter uh for something more fun and that's uh Emily Harriet asked us uh, uh a number of questions but um just what game we're looking forward to the most oh, boy I there are there are a lot. For me, it's probably a toss-up between Stanford and Ohio State. I just Stanford, I the potential for something really special to happen there is big, and Ohio State could easily be a shootout where we're going to empty our whole playbook, and Hunter is going to get the chances to do absolutely anything he wants to do um, against a defense that just may be asleep in a night game at home. So it's obviously Ohio State is is the one that I think a lot of people are going to circle, but I am super pumped about Stanford and the more prep I do for this game, the more pumped I get. Yeah. I mean, I, I would say kind of the same thing. I mean, like Ohio state is, is the obvious answer, but part like the fact that it's on a Friday night is a little bit off for me. You know, like if, if this was on a Saturday, like, you know, it would be like a Saturday night game, maybe game day. I don't know. It's the big 10 championship rematch. It being on a Friday is, I mean, yes, it's the only college game on. So, I mean, the, the focus will be there, but it's it's just, a, it feels a little odd. And, you know, we're, we're going to be coming off of, um, coming off a of bye week, honestly. You know, the, the fact that, you know, the two weeks before at Wisconsin, at Nebraska, and then the bye week to get ready for Ohio State. I mean, the, the hype is going to be there. Like, the excitement is going to be on campus. But the fact that it's on a Friday is just a little weird to me. Um, yeah, I mean, like, but that, but that's the answer. I Iowa's exciting as well because those games are always are, they're always fun. Um, you know, at Wisconsin, will we be able to to match the you know what we did last year? I mean, that Wisconsin is still you know. We consider Wisconsin kind of the class of the West. I mean, even though they were, they had a rough year last year, and we've talked about it even tonight a little bit, and you know we'll continue to talk about it further. They had a lot of turnover and the bit of a disappointment of last year, but still, going to Camp Randall, it's a tough place to play, 
and you know to come away with a W there, it, it, that's big. Um, and you know the the opener against Stanford, I mean, it, it's huge. You know, it's on national TV, it's on Fox. Uh, it's the the two o'clock afternoon game, so it's kind of like the nice early afternoon, very exciting. You know, a lot of excitement around it. National TV. You know, we'll you know potentially see Hunter Johnson for the first time. You know, it's it's a lot of the anticipation going into the season and you know we start off with a really interesting game but i mean the the short answer is ohio state i mean it it is the big 10 rematch but like i say the fact that it's on a friday makes it feel a little bit off yeah which is funny because it kind of dovetails with one of emily's other questions doesn't it scuzz yeah which was like what's up with friday night um and that's i mean the fact that this game is on a friday is bonkers at at the same time, um, it will probably get more attention than it would have if it was at 11 on a Saturday. Uh, the other upshot, and this is why I'm most excited about it, is it means that I can come to this game. Yeah. <laughs> so all three of us will be there. That's I mean, it's it's a cop-out answer, but that's, that's why I'm most excited. It's probably the one time I'm going to get to Ryan Field this fall. I'm really excited about this matchup. I'd say, like, the other games that I'm that I'm excited about like are also generally terrifying me and that's uh having to play Purdue, having to play uh at Nebraska, um at Stanford is a little is a little worrisome. So like between the, the the start of the season and the magnitude of the matchup in the Stanford game, that's huge and then you know, this Ohio State game cuz I'm going I'm going to get to be there. Um it's been a long time. I'm uh, I'm 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 stoked to see if if Fitz can finally notch the win over the Buckeyes that uh, that he's not been able to yet. And of course, it being the rematch of the Big Ten Championship, you know, puts a little extra juice on this game for for Northwestern, certainly. No game terrifies me nearly as much as UNLV, so if we can just get by that game, it's all gravy from that point on. Fair. (laughs) (laughs) That's that's not a joke, by the way. I'm I'm legitimately terrified. Not UMass, though? I mean, like, that... By that point, we'll have emptied the playbook. Yeah, yeah, no, it, like in late November, I like we're going to be running on all cylinders. I just, I'm, I'm not, yeah, I'm not worried about that. But that, that, yeah, the UNLV game is just, just screams, screams Illinois every, State. Everything that we've dealt with Illinois State to Akron to Army to whatever over oh. the years. Yep. And, John, so, and John's yeah. point earlier that we play Michigan State the next week and we're not going to want to give anything away I, is just so uh, spot on. Yeah, I just uh, that's whatever the whatever everything that we've been talking about with this question. The exact opposite of that is UNLV. <laughs> I could not be looking forward to a game less than I'm looking forward to that game. If you were going to go on a bender, folks, plan it for the night of Saturday, September 14th. Mm-hmm. <sighs> Well, well, guys, I mean, that was a lot of fun. And, you know, I'm definitely even more excited for getting into our, our summer previews as, um, you know, going into tonight. So uh, thanks for indulging me with these, you know, fun little 11 questions. Um, anything else we're missing? Are there any other burning questions you guys have as we get into the season? I guess I'll be, I'll be a little curious to just how long Fitz is going to Fitz the Hunter Johnson situation. Like, when are we just going to get a rubber stamp on that so that we can all just like move forward with what we know is, is the logical progression of events here. Um, I, you know, I know he's going to, he's going to push it as far as he possibly can, but at what point do we officially say, all right, Hunter's got the ones he's our starter. Let's just move forward from that. So um, my guess is, into August before we get that, but it would be nice to get it a little earlier. Yeah. I can't say that I have much. Um, I'm still waiting for my Phil Steele magazine so I can really dig in, but um, yeah, I guess, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll see what comes up. I mean, maybe, maybe one interesting question out there is Illinois has, has acquired a lot of transfer talent and I'm, I'm curious if it makes a difference. I don't know. The- I know the answer to that question. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, um, 
let's go ahead and leave it there for this week. Uh, you can always head to our website, westlawpirates.com, where you can leave comments and questions. Uh, find us on Facebook. Find us on Twitter, at Westlaw Pirates. You can always email the show, westlawpirates at gmail.com. We definitely appreciate your questions. Um, look forward to hearing from a lot of you, especially as we get into our summer previews. Um, yeah, definitely looking forward to, to firing those up here in the next week or two. Um, it's, all, it's always a good time. It's always, you know, I, I think we get a lot of interest from, from you listeners. So uh, any questions you have about any specific team that we're either, you know, we're going to be playing or maybe some of the, the non-plays in the uh, in the East, you know, we'd love to hear from you guys. Any questions about any teams, shoot us an email, westlawpirates at gmail.com or hit us up on Twitter at westlawpirates. Uh, we'd love to answer those for you. Tune in next time as we give our visceral and statistical views on Northwestern athletics and look for us in the West Lot of Ryan Field playing the Red Pirate flag because we give no quarter, especially the fourth. For John the Coman, Eric Skazboy, and Sam Walter. Thanks so much for listening. We'll see you next time.